Hi there. My name is Lucas Weiss, and I am the host of the Weiss Sports Quarantine Chronicles. For today's episode, I'm joined by Aaliyah Funchell, a young up-and-coming journalist currently attending Columbia University's sports management program. In this episode, I chat with Aaliyah about her sports media career thus far, covering college athletics, utilizing social media, as well as having an important conversation about women in sports. The Wii Sports Quarantine Chronicles is available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So make sure to like, rate, watch, and subscribe to all three of those channels. Now let's get to episode 62 with Aaliyah Funchell on the Wii Sports Quarantine Chronicles. All right, on today's episode of the Wii Sports Quarantine Chronicles, I'm excited to have on Aaliyah Funchell. She is a recent graduate of Wichita State and is currently going to be attending Columbia University Sports Management. Aaliyah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be on today. So thank you for having me. Yeah, well, it's it's certainly my my pleasure and i just gotta start i mean you I mean you're, you're my first ivy leaguer to come on the podcast oh, so so, so so congratulations on that and i just want to ask because you've done so much already at wichita yes. state in terms of sports reporting and sports journalism what attracted you to the big apple and columbia Ooh, well, I actually am from New York, so mm-hmm. a lot of people might not know that about me. Um, I grew up in Wichita, but my entire family were all from New York, so I feel like that's our culture is just New Yorkers. It's so different than mm-hmm. the Midwest culture. So I've always been proud to be from New York, and I've actually wanted to go to Columbia since I was um, 10 years old, which is crazy because most 10-year-olds don't want to be like, oh, I want to go to an Ivy League school. They don't even care about like going to college at that point. That sounds pretty pretentious. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it all started because I've always played basketball and my aunt actually sent me um, the link to see Columbia's basketball team. The women's basketball team was really good that year. And she's like, I know you love school and you're super smart and you love basketball so you might as well just look into the school and like keep up with their basketball program so I'm like okay and so ever since then I've just you know I followed them and then I saw that it's in New York City and then I've always been kind of a nerd and love school so the fact that it was such a great school I was like wow I I love this place and so ever since then it's been that's my dream yeah I mean I've I've been in New York a few times I mean I'm I'm, I'm from mm-hmm. Toronto, which is always considered to be Canada's version of New York. So I've been, but I've been yeah. visit New York a few times. And what's great about Columbia is that it's sort of like north of like where everything's happening. Like it's still Manhattan, but it's still like a, a bit yeah. north. So you feel like you're in a bit of an escape from the hustle bustle of the city. Okay. And, and yes. you can't beat a city like New York where there's just an abundance of sports to be able to cover. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the campus is it's right it's literally in Harlem but it doesn't feel like you're in the city when you walk onto campus it's just so beautiful and calm and it's one of the prettiest campuses ever so I'm excited to have the calmness of campus but then step outside and be in the hustle and bustle of the city so I'm excited and you know sports management you know there's so many components to it what area Mm -hmm. are you most interested in because doing research for this interview like you've done a lot in terms of reporting and journalism (laughs) really a a fascinating career path thus far yeah so um i'd love to be in sports media and entertainment i mean i think that sports journalism looks so different than what it did years ago 
So um, there's definitely more of an emphasis on journalism, but also entertainment. So mm -hmm. kind of finding the crossroads of what that looks like in 2020, because I know that it used to just be sports writing, but now you also have to think all of these teams are hiring their own sideline reporters and their own PR people. So that's definitely something I'm interested in is learning how to keep up with the trends and kind of be ahead of the trends. So um, instead of just being like, oh, I want to be a sports reporter and just write articles, I'm like, okay, how can I mix one sports journalism with entertainment, but then also the business side of it. So that's kind of what I've been focusing on because I'd love to be a sports reporter my whole life, but I'd also like to get into some PR. I think that would be great for me. Um, I actually have some experience uh, last week I was working at camp and I was the athlete's actual PR agent for that week of camp. And I was logged into all of his social medias and handling all of the engagement stuff like that. So I thought being, you know, that was a lot of fun. I, I kind of like this. So that's definitely something I could see myself doing, but definitely sports entertainment, whichever form that may take. Yeah. And like, I think you hit a really great point just talking about how the journalism world has changed so much. Like I've had, you know, guests on the show who, you know, were, were gone to print because that was sort of the demand coming out of college was okay. Yeah. You're going to go down a newspaper route. You're going to do writing. Nowadays, journalists have to be a Swiss army knife of sorts. You have to know how to write. You have to know how to do social media, yes. PR communications. And I think, I think that entertainment aspect too is so important because while, you know, you want to be credible, you want to be professional, that is so, so important. I think you can't un underestimate the power being to connect with people. And I think, and if yeah. you can make someone's life a lot better through your entertainment and your whole brand, I think you mm -hmm. succeeded at the job. Yeah, exactly. And I definitely think that there's this hard balance that people have to find now of like, like you said, being credible, but also still not being too boring or mundane. Like you want to still be like giving value and entertainment, but also still being, you know, not just the fun stuff. Like you also want to be credible. So that's definitely something we've all been working through, I guess, as sports journalists. Well, no doubt. And I think like social media makes it so much more challenging because mm -hmm. I find like, look, I mean, I like, I go on Twitter every day, like for hours on end and other social media platforms. And it's mm -hmm. just like, it can be such a negative cesspool of just like, you know, bickering and people attacking one's character and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I think what you've done a really good job of in some of your tweets and it's how, you know, we connected was, was through your yeah. networking threads, which I think is such yes. a really cool way to use the platform in a really mm. great way is to bring people together that you don't know who are trying to get in this industry because everyone knows it's it's tough it's competitive but it's important yes. to help each other in uh in achieving those goals definitely well and that's something i realized during quarantine i'm like everyone is kind of at this point in their life where it's like what's going on and they could use some positivity and i'm like why don't i i mean i've been working full-time not in sports uh, during quarantine. I've actually worked at the food bank all throughout mm -hmm. college. And then since quarantine happened and the pandemic, I've actually transferred over to full time because that's where, you know, everyone needs help right now with food during this pandemic. Of course. And there's a food scarcity and everything. But I also realized that I'm just like sitting on Twitter and I'm like, I miss sports. Like, how can I still feel connected to the sports world? So 
that's kind of how the networking thread started. I've seen some other pages do that. And I just think it's so cool because I mentioned in one of them, I was like, we spend so much time supporting celebrities or people that have already made it. And I just think it's so important just to honestly put some of that energy into supporting other people that are trying to make it big because I mean, the celebrities might not appreciate it as much as people with, you know, a couple hundred followers and a couple hundred listeners and they really need the support. So I think that's why I started it because I'm like, I want to connect with people and I want to really try to make a difference in their career as well by connecting them. I love networking. So I'm like, let's just all network and become friends and help each other out. Yeah. Like I think networking is so important as well in this industry, because again, the jobs, there aren't many of them. And oftentimes you need to rely on people in order to find opportunities or just get you to the door. I mean, obviously you have to bring your level of skill set, your level of talent, but oftentimes being referred by someone enhances your chances of getting a job. Do you have any examples of that where like relying on your network or having a mentor has helped you in your sports journalism career thus far? Yeah, all the time. Well, first of all, I love my, so I'm an undergrad. I just graduated, like you said, from Wichita State, and they have one of the best undergraduate sports management programs. And they, they always say, it's not even who you know, it's who knows you. Because you can be like, oh, I know this person, this person, and this person, but do they know who you are and what you bring to the table? And so that has been something I've carried with me. And unfortunately, at Wichita State, Um, broadcasting isn't really huge there to begin with um, because my program was definitely a lot of the business side and then the journalism school didn't really have much broadcasting so I didn't really have a mentor in school but thankfully my um, my uh, what's it called yeah the department they're like oh Leah like you have this idea to start the sports network how about you go ahead and start it so I've done a lot of mentoring even though I'm really young so Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool Um, So that's kind of what I've looked like with my career is just more so if I've taken on the role of like, okay, let me mentor you, even though I'm a few years older than you, because I kind of had to pave my own way at Wichita State. I had to find all of the opportunities myself. Mm. Um, So that's kind of like why I'm very passionate about mentoring and connecting people, because I didn't really have a lot of people there opening doors for me. I kind of had to knock them down myself. but I, I have had some pretty cool mentors like that kind of popped up out of nowhere. I went to the NIT Final Four last year and I, I made, I'm always big on small talk with, um, with random strangers just all the time. Like if I see them, I'll, bring, I'll strike up a conversation. And the ESPN sideline reporter, I saw she did a really cool thing with our team. And so I just made small talk and at first I was like, oh, I love your shoes, blah, blah, blah. And then we talked for so long and she gave me advice and then Wichita State ended up losing and I was stuck in New York City. I'm, well, that's not a bad thing to be stuck in New York City, but not um, at all. <laughs> I was still credentialed because Madison Square Garden gave me a credential for the full tournament. Mm. So I sent her a message on Instagram and I said, hey, Wichita State's knocked out, but I'm still credentialed. Can I come shadow you? Mm. And so I was able to shadow her for the championship game and um, now that's a connection that we still follow each other on Instagram and we talk all the time, well, not all the time, but like, I'll always look at our stuff and reply and, you know, like we're always at least have that open line of communication at all times, which is crazy. Um, so I think that's like, it just goes to show that you never know who might be a mentor. She might not be able to mentor me every single day, but at least we have that, we have each other in each other's networks. So I guess that's a good 
I mean, sorry, I don't have a, a direct answer no, to oh, your question, a, but it's amazing that's answer. Kind of like, yeah, like it, you, an incredible answer good. because I think it, it showcases your ability to hustle and create opportunities because I think for me in doing this podcast and having a lot of mm -hmm. journalists on who've been in the industry, one connected theme that I've noticed is, is just having that self-starter initiative. Because yes. oftentimes opportunities aren't going to be handed to you. You need to create your own, especially in this environment where there's not mm -hmm. a lot of jobs out there. And I think that having that instinctual ability to have that initiative, to go and make that connection, it just shows your trait to just go after anything in order yeah. to build your brand and and build your network so kudos to you and, and i think a lot of young writers should definitely adopt that because i think a lot mm -hmm. of people say like oh i want it but like until you go after it and actually create those opportunities you can't really back up that statement so it's very yeah. important to be a self-starter yes i agree i just feel like a lot of people expect things to fall into their lap instead of going to go after it and so that's something I always tell people. It's just like, if you want something, create it for yourself. And if you're passionate enough about it, people, that will show. And people will automatically be gravitated towards it because you're so passionate and you love what you do. And so that's, I guess, always, you have an, a really good point. So many of us have that self-starting mentality. And I feel like if we are passionate about it, like you are, I can tell you're passionate and you've had a lot of success so far with this show and everything. And that's just because people see your passion for it and see your resiliency with, you know, COVID and everything. You're still putting on a show, which is great. So I think that's a very important quality to have. Wichita State, how in love is Wichita State with Fred Van Vliet still? Is he still a legend <laughs> at that school? Because, and I'm asking because I'm in Toronto and yes. he's a fan favorite here in, in Toronto with the Raptors. Yeah. Fred is a hometown hero here. He, it's not like he grew up here, but he, he could come back and be the mayor if he wanted to. Um, and that just goes, that goes for so many other people. I don't know if you remember Ron Baker. He played for yeah. the Knicks. He was part of the Fred Van Bleet crew. Um, anyone that's on the team, you know, Wichita State fans are incredible and they will, they love their basketball. I mean, we don't have any major league teams here. So Wichita State basketball is it. It gets the whole city out and involved. So yeah, people love Fred. I love Fred. He's a very classy guy. I've gotten to meet him. Um, I was so sad because his senior year, his last year here was right before I got to Wichita State. Oh, so I missed, dang. I know, I missed covering him by one year, but he still came back. And um, so I got to meet him at a different game during the All-Star break. Mm. Um, he came to a game. And then when they won the finals, I actually made this graphic that it was like, I'm like, okay, I need something for my audience just to know that, you know, how awesome Fred is. And it was like the top half, I put all of the quotes like, oh, undrafted, he's too small, not fast enough. And then as the graphic went on, it had all of the quotes that the announcers were saying about him during the finals. Like one said, he's the only guy on the court that can guard Steph Curry mm -hmm. and like a bunch of other stuff. And it ended up going viral. And so, like, even though I never got to cover Fred, I still had that thing go viral. And so I feel very, like, connected to him because he shared it. His coaches shared it. And so um, even though I didn't get to cover him, that was still cool. But he's a great guy, very down to earth, and just such an inspiring story with him. So I love him to death. Wichita loves him to death. He's, he's amazing. No doubt. I mean, and, and just the, the playoff run was such a contrast because he, 
you know, the start of it, it was like, mm-hmm. is he going to make the team, yet alone be an impactful player, particularly in that Philly series. But then yeah, it, there, there was this funny joke, running joke with Raptors fans, like when he had his second son, Fred Jr. in the Milwaukee <laughs> yes. series, it then like just exploded until the finals where he then got a finals MVP vote. So I he's know. a really it big fan favorite and just mm-hmm. like, and it's amazing to see how he, yeah, how he's continued the important role on the court mm-hmm. uh, counter, um, you know, with Kyle Lowry, but as well as being such a important voice in all the social justice issues that are going on yes. right now in society. So really just classic act guy. I agree. I agree. But, you know, you mentioned something about, you know, that graphic that, you know, went viral mm-hmm. and, I'm always curious, you know, when tweets go viral, when, you know, graphics like that go viral, what is, you know, what does it feel like? Because I feel like, you know, I, you know, obviously, you know, you're making it for your audience and it's a great mm-hmm. thing. It shows that you can cultivate an audience, but it's that one thing that I don't, you know, that just, you know, is there for, you know, a brief moment, a couple days, if you will, mm-hmm. but then you have to then, create another thing you know you're only good as your last viral tweet so so what is that you know what is that balance like do you sort of have that excitement but know Mm -hmm. that you know look I you know this this isn't going to last forever I'm going to still need to create really unique content yeah so it actually went really viral on Facebook Mm. because that's where um so I I have my own like Facebook page for sports of Aaliyah so it went, it had great engagement everywhere, but Facebook, it had 1.5 million um, impressions in like the first few days. So, um, and the thing I learned about that, I gained like a thousand Facebook likes overnight, but, and then I tried to scramble, like, I was like, okay, then does that mean, because at the time I was very Wichita state oriented and then I still post about Fred, but I'm like, all these people now are following me because they saw my Fred graphic. What if they don't follow me anymore? Because um, they don't like the other content I post. So I was kind of at a crossroad where I'm like, do I try to switch and post more basic NBA content? And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to keep doing me and keep mm-hmm. posting my stuff. And if they want to keep following along, they will. And thankfully I've been able to retain those people that liked my page. But I, I definitely understand what you're talking about because I was like, dang, like how do I keep these people entertained? But I just continue to do what I do. And, um, be myself and I think that's really helped because if I did try to you know do more of the bleacher report or barstool meme type stuff or graphics like I'm not a graphic designer so this whole graphic thing isn't gonna hold up very well because that's not my forte so I definitely had to like take a step back and I'm like this is exciting but also to me numbers isn't everything and so I'm like I want to make content that I'm proud of and things will go viral or get big as they go on because the more I tried to continue to create stuff that could go viral, the less I actually liked my content. And I'm like, this mm-hmm. is not me. So that's definitely something I've had to learn. And I had a TikTok go viral twice, the same one. It just got reposted a bunch of times and it has millions and millions and millions of views. And it was of my a soccer game. Um, and it was really cute. Like the team captain came up and I was covering the game and they wanted double overtime and the team captain sprinted over to my little brother he was a ball boy and the team manager and he's in middle school but sprinted over and just gave him the biggest hug and like twisted it twirled him around and then he went back to go celebrate with his team and that went viral so many times 
and I was like, okay, does this mean I need to switch to more softer content or like more try to cute content? And then I'm like, wait, I've been here, done that before. Like I know just to keep going on with my content and be happy with it instead of trying to conform to what I think is going to go viral. So I think that's just like, it's a slow rise to the top and I'd rather rise slowly and have content I'm really, really, really proud of than try to take the easy way out by reposting stuff that people I've seen before from other accounts or that just isn't my style. I'd much rather have that slow rise to the top and be happy with what I post about. Yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> no, that makes a ton of sense. And I think that you make a really good point about keep being you. And mm -hmm. oftentimes I find that, you know, when you make a viral tweet, I mean, you know, I've had a few like Leafs tweets go viral and like, you know, I wasn't, you know, necessarily proud because I always grew up a Leafs fan, but I just think in general, like if you're, if you're proud of the content, like you said, you should mm -hmm. keep creating content that makes you, you, you shouldn't sort of make content just to please the followers or to please yeah. the amount of retweets or likes, because then you don't become authentic. And I think that mm -hmm. people are going to follow you if they like you and what you are as a brand. And I yes. think that the, the, the viral tweets will come down the road. And I think like mm -hmm. people will just know that you're genuine and look, you know, not everyone knows if, if a tweet's going to go viral or not. Like it's very difficult yeah. to predict, but I think at the end of the day, being yourself and being genuine and not sort of doing things for the followers is is very yeah, important definitely so looking at your you know profile and what you've done i mean what were some of the most proudest you know sporting events that you've covered during your time at wichita state i know that i saw you courtsided at a thunder game which is pretty cool <laughs> so just yeah. you know, talk about that yeah, so I've been very lucky and fortunate with the things I have gotten to cover. I would say the NIT Final Four, which I brought up a few minutes ago, was probably the most surreal moment because, sadly, I've grown up a Knicks fan. Um, it's always my a hard path for Knicks fans. My condolences. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But um, growing up a Knicks fan and just a New York fan in general, like being in Madison Square Garden and getting to be courtside covering games in there, I never thought – one, that would happen, and two, it would happen before I even turned 21 years old. Um, mm. I'm 22 now, and this was right before I turned 21, and I'm like, I am 20 years old sitting courtside at Madison Square Garden. I know it wasn't for a Knicks game, but I'm like, this is the mecca of basketball right here, this arena. And so that was probably the craziest thing to me. But yeah, I've, I've gotten to do um, Thunder Games, which is awesome. And um, thankfully, like with the connection – with the Thunder and with Wichita State is actually pretty good because we don't have an NBA team in Wichita. So mm -hmm. there we like I've taken groups of our sport management kids. I say kids, they're the same age as me, but um, <laughs> Hey, they're I, young. Come on. You know, they're young. I know. I know, but I've taken um because I've I started that digital network and whatnot. So I've taken of groups of them to OKC Thunder um, networking nights and the job fair. And then, so we've always had a close connection with the Thunder because they understand like, hey, this is how you get, get experience because you don't have an NBA team. And then also, thankfully to Ron Baker and the Knicks, um, I had a way to get credentialed for some of the games. So I went a few mm -hmm. years and got credentialed, got to go in the locker room. I've sh uh, shook hands with Russell Westbrook. I've uh, gotten to go in his locker room and everything. and 
um, interview some crazy big athletes. Ennis Cantor, I love him to death. I've oh, he's a, awesome. Yeah, I got to do a one-on-one -on -one with him and um, in the locker room, just I, they gave me free access the Knicks to go up to any athlete I wanted because I'm like, oh, I need to talk to Ron. But then they're like, do you want to talk to anyone else? And I was like, uh, sure. <laughs> and so I went up to Ennis Cantor because he was the biggest name on the Knicks at the time. And so I um, got to interview him. But yeah, so that would be another one. And then just NCAA tournaments, those are so surreal um, because I've grown up a huge college basketball fan. So that was always something that I'm like, whoa pinch me am I actually here right now so um those and then just honestly anything I'm just always so thankful especially in Wichita I, I try not to take the home games for granted because I've grown up in Wichita and like I said earlier soccer basketball is literally that's the thing to do and that is like the craziest thing to be able to cover games there in front of 10,000 people every game sold out um so even just covering home games was surreal to me. So those are just some of the things that I've done. Well, a fantastic list and very accomplished <laughs> for, for such a young age. But you've Thank done a you. lot of really unique interviews, like you've said. And I'm just curious, what do you think goes into a successful interview? Yeah, so I actually do regular interviews. I do just one-on-one, -on -one, just talk to me or talk. I'll hold up my phone and you know, those, I'll also have some that I have my microphone and I'll do the back and forth. And then I also have a talk show and yeah. everything that I've realized is they just like, you know, being treated like a regular human being. And that's what I tell people that I help mentor is like, don't get nervous to talk to them. Um, because they just, they love feeling like you really want to get to know them for who they are as a person and not just an athlete. So if you treat them like how you would treat every other person, they, they really like that. And I think there's a balance between naturally being good at talking to people and then also learning how to be an active listener. And I think that's my biggest thing is I try to actively listen. So they know that I'm listening and not thinking of my next question while they're talking. Because there's some people that will just sit there and think of like what they're going to say next and barely hear what they're saying. And even though like you might not think people realize that they do. They're like, okay, is she listening or like what? <laughs> so like I've tried to actively listen so they know I'm listening. But then I also, this is like, I know not everyone's like this, but I never have questions written down. Even on my 30-minute mm. talk shows, mm. I don't have an outline. I don't do questions. I, I'll know enough about them and I'll know where I want the conversation to go. Like, oh, first we'll start here and then we'll go there and then do there. But really I just try to listen to what they have to say and then capitalize off of something good that they say and take the conversation in, new, in a new direction. So it's definitely a balancing act between actively listening and showing them that you're present in the conversation, but also being analytical of, okay, they're talking about this. Where can I bring the conversation from here? So it's just like a balancing act, but that's kind of how I go about my interviews. Yeah. Active listening is so crucial. And like, you know, even a yes. simple, task is just like looking someone in the eye like you know knowing that you know you're engaged and, and you're actually listening because and you actually took a page out of my playbook Aaliyah with like with no questions because even with these interviews like I just do enough research and I just yeah. know what the general themes I want to talk about and just let the conversation flow and I think it makes yes. it a lot more natural and less robotic which I mm -hmm, hope though for, for, for the sure. listeners listening so <laughs> Yeah. Yes, that's awesome.
And, you know, for, for me, you know, and, and, you know, looking at your, you know, doing a research on, you know, your profile and, and, you know, the mentoring that you've done, you know, you, you, you mm -hmm. know, you say on the top of your pin tweet that, you know, this is for all the girls wanting to break glass ceilings and go into a male dominated career field. And, and, and there's certainly, yes. look, sports media is, you know, dominated by, by males still. And, and I'm just mm -hmm. curious for you because I've seen, you know, on social media, and it's just so unfortunate, just, you know, how mm -hmm. women are treated, you know, women in sports are treated. And to me, it's so sad and frustrating that even in 2020, we're still having those, you know, conversations because there's so many talented, you know, women in sports like yourself that are doing great things. So I'm just curious what the experience has been like and, you know, just, you know, tackling that sort of, you know, the stereotypes, sadly, that, that still exist. Yeah. Well, thankfully for me, which people, whenever I say thankfully, they're like, what? Um, I actually have faced gender discrimination before, literally my first year of sports reporting. And mm. although people are like, oh, that's so sad that you experienced so young, I think going through that has really helped me um, stand up for myself and just be better, like, and know how to handle those situations because. I mean, I, it's not a great thing to have to go through, but um, I, I don't know. So I had to face it and I, I, I kind of like figured out how to use my voice, which is always scary as an 18 year old girl. Mm -hmm. And in person, I'm a very, very bubbly person. I'm, I'm, I don't really come across as intimidating because there definitely are women who are like, whoa, you don't want to mess with her, but that's not the case for everyone. And you don't want to teach a girl that you have to be super intimidating, super scary to be respected. No, you should still be able to be yourself and still be bubbly and charismatic and not have to worry about getting walked all over. So that's definitely something I've learned is that I can be myself. I could be that bubbly person, but I can also put my foot down when people try to treat me poorly. But that's definitely something I learned because I'm like, do I really have to act like a like I'm stone cold all the time just to get respect around here. So I think that that's important for girls out there. And that's what I try to show them. Not, not, I don't always talk about this directly on my Twitter, but just showing them that I can be sweet and charismatic and bubbly and I can still be all of those things. I can be girly. I can dress up. I can look cute and take cute pictures, but I can also be smart and know a lot about sports and you don't have to just pick one or the other and you can be all of these things and still get respect and there definitely comes a time where you do have to be you don't want to be bitchy I hate that word because it's used for women but you you just want to be bold and persistent and um, just stand up for yourself when needed but you don't need to compromise who you are as a person in order to get respect and that's a big thing that I like to preach well I appreciate your honesty and, and candidness to that question because I, I think being bold is so important and it's amazing mm -hmm. how, you know, for you at such a young age, you know, you were able to find that because yeah. look, I mean, for me, like the worst I get is like someone might reply to my tweets being like, you're a loser. You're an idiot. You're a bleeping <laughs> yeah. moron for a take I do. But like mm -hmm. from, you know, speaking with some of my, you know, female colleagues, it's just like, this like it's just crazy to me like what they have mm -hmm. to go through and look this this industry sometimes perpetuates this notion of having thick skin and 
you know, just, you know, shouting out, you know, shutting out the haters and just focusing mm -hmm. on you. But like, you can't underestimate that, you know, the mental health impact of, of yes. dealing with just day after day, this, this criticism and gender discrimination. So it's just like, it's so important, like you say, to show that not mm -hmm. only can you, you know, be, you know, intelligent and serious when you need to be, but you can also have a personality. And I think like, yeah. it, it, you know, that's so important because employers, you know, value authenticity and people that have energy and enthusiasm. And if you can show that, I think, mm -hmm. you know, and, the, and your audience still loves it. It's so, so important. Definitely. Well, and I, I agree because it is, I kind of felt like sometimes there's so many levels to gender discrimination, whether mm -hmm. it's being overly sexualized or saying that you're just in it to date the athletes. Um, but then there's also the side where it's like, oh, you like sports? Let me quiz you. Let me see if you actually yeah. like sports. That's and actually like, nuts. Like, like when I yeah. saw like some tweets, like of some of my female colleagues, like getting like DM that I'm like, what are you, like, what is this? Like, it's just crazy. Mm -hmm. The people like yeah. just live behind their phone and would just like have like the audacity to tweet that or send a DM like yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. And it's like, it's also the, the hard thing is, is thankfully I've had a lot of great support. So um, mm -hmm. with the fault with, I don't call them fans, like, but like with the following, my following, um, they're very supportive and it's sad because there are those trolls on the internet, but the, another side that doesn't get talked about as much is the gender discrimination in the workplace, which is even scarier because your whole career depends on it. If random people on the internet are rude to me about being a girl in sports, I'm like, okay, I don't really block people, but I just block them out. I'm like, okay, I don't care about you, but it's hard when you're in a toxic work environment. And I think that's where it doesn't get talked about enough because, you know, there's the good old boys club and trying to break into that and then having to prove yourself constantly to people that will never see you as their equal. And Thankfully, I have worked for amazing publications and organizations where they, they are just, they treat everyone the same and they're very, very sweet and great. But then there's also those organizations that, that aren't, and it's almost, they make it impossible to break into the good old boys club. You know, they have their boys trips and leave you out of everything. And sometimes it's those little microaggressions that lead up to, you know, one, just like, you just break. You're like, wow, like all of these little things have been adding up. And so I feel like um, that's where I really try to help people out is, you know, the next job will come and what's waiting for you outside of that toxic situation is so much better. It's almost like, you know, I, I always tell people that I use a lot of relationship, like dating mm -hmm. analogies with some of the girls that I mentor, because it's like, if you're in a toxic, toxic relationship with a guy and they're treating you all these ways, you know, break up with them. But, and mm -hmm. so you can, you like, you can use that kind of mentality where if this is giving you so much harm to your mental health or to your really, you can't really move up in the organization, break up, like break up with them, you know, leave part ways. If, if you keep bringing up all of these things that are happening and it's not fixing, sometimes after the breakup, the best things come. And so that's kind of like what I tell the girls, because like, it's just kind of not dumbing it down, but putting it into a way where our brains can process because people are always afraid to break off of employers or break off friendships so they really understand what I'm like if it's if a boy was treating you so badly you would want to leave so that's kind of like the same thing it's like if they're treating you this badly and you're you know you're crying every night or you can't move up in your profession then 
break it off. And I've seen whenever I do that, if I break stuff off that isn't helping me grow, what's on the other side is so much better. It's hard to even put into words. So that's kind of, I guess, my focus too, is not just the internet trolls, but also these situations that women are in with their employers or with other, you know, with partnerships or anything. That's where it also is not talked about as much. So that's a big thing with me is I, I always help girls try to get through that, you know, kind of, Sorry, I'm kind of rambling on. No, but. no, please. This is like really, <laughs> this is like really insightful stuff. And I think you make like a great yeah. point just, you know, in it, because again, like when you bring it down with the trolls, like they only have like five followers and then and, and most yeah. of them are like bots, right? And like not to diminish mm -hmm. the trolls, but like that's just the reality. But oftentimes when you're trying to work your way up in the industry and you're in a workplace, that's where the real issues are because often, mm -hmm. you know, women feel silenced because they want to advance in their career and they don't want to bring up these issues. So I think, you know, you, you yeah. have a lot of really important points, but, you know, you've talked a lot about mentoring and, and, and helping, mm -hmm. you know, young girls and young people in the industry. What's the biggest satisfaction that you get, Aaliyah, from helping someone in, in this industry? Yeah, well, I'm a very, I've always been like the helpful spirit person like even when I was younger I've just loved helping people and I think like with my college job at the food bank even that it's like the satisfaction of helping people and leaving people better than you found them and I know that it was hard for me not to have those mentors or have those roads paved for me and so I think building a legacy like I don't really care if people are like oh Leah is the one that started this organization for people to get more experience if they I don't care about the the satisfaction of people knowing I helped them, the satisfaction comes from behind closed doors, knowing that I made their life a little bit easier or I opened these doors for them and that seeing other people happy and successful just brings me so much joy because I know that, I mean, we rise by lifting others. Mm -hmm. um, there's no reason to tear other people down. And so I actually have found when I do help people, it lifts my spirits and more doors open for me. And that's not why I do it. I don't do it for my side, like from to benefit myself, but it just makes me so happy just to see other people happy and successful. And I've just always been, I've always loved helping people. And so that's been my biggest thing is just, I didn't have that for me, but I want them to have it easier. And then I hope that by me helping someone, it will continue a train, a little domino effect of I help them okay, they made it, they're going to help someone else. Then they make it, they're going to help someone else. So that's just, that's what I hope to gain from mentoring and helping other people is just to leave a lasting effect for future generations. Last question for you, Aaliyah, and I always ask this of my sports media guests, what's mm -hmm. been the most memorable interaction with an athlete and why? Ooh, that's a hard one. Putting you oh on the God. spot. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> whenever I go, so I'll actually go and talk. This isn't, I don't think this will be my real answer, but whenever I go and talk to middle schools or like younger groups of people about what I do, I always tell them that, I, that I've seen Russell Westbrook in Ninja Turtle boxers oh because that's goodness. what he was wearing in the locker room. It's weird also being a, a girl in the locker room. I'm like, okay, don't look anywhere. But yeah. he was just, he was walking around in Ninja Turtle boxers. So I'm like, that's what I always tell the little kids to get their attention because yeah. they're like, oh. But um, no, I don't know. It's just, I would say this is really hard because there's been a lot, but my favorite is those full circle moments. So like I just had a, an Olympic boxer on my talk show and mm. I actually remember 
being a fan of his and going to his watch parties um, for when he was in the Olympics before I was a sports reporter. So that would probably be like one of the coolest interactions because it's like one of those moments where I'm like, this was four years ago in the Olympics, I was watching him and now he's on my talk show. So that's kind of, that was, I think the most surreal moment. Yeah. And like, it, it's just amazing. I mean, like those, like those are the moments and, and look, it may, it may not be like people like to think, Oh, you know, a big name athlete, that's a memorable moment. But like, it's amazing. You can still have that like impact with someone that may not be as well known, but like, you know, yeah. connects and brings people together. Like, an Olympian does. So it's great yeah. you have those moments. And I'm sure you'll have many more, Aaliyah, to, to talk about it you. in your long career. Thank you so much. Aaliyah Funchell, she is a sports journalist, a talk show host. You can follow her on Twitter at Funchell18. She graduated from Wichita State, the school that Fred Van Vliet went to, among many others. <laughs> and she's currently going to be attending Columbia University Sports Management. Aaliyah, thank you so much for all of your insight and perspective on the We Sports, Sports Chronicles. Thank you for having me. It was such an honor.